I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Teresa Kishkin joins me now. The acclaimed writer and poet has just published a new book, Blue Portugal and Other Essays. The form these pieces take on is what's described as braided essays. They show the writer as she thinks deeply about the natural world, the aging body, genealogy, history, textiles, music, and Ms. Kishkin's many intellectual pursuits. We get a sense of her home on the Seashelt Peninsula from where uh, she joined me from last week. I'll ask her about the house, where she works, and what it means to her. I'll also ask Teresa about uh, the trip she made to the Ukraine, something she writes about in the book as she uh, seeks information about her family, her roots. That was in 2019, just before the pandemic and before the invasion by Russia. Teresa Kishkan is the author of more than a dozen books, including poetry, fiction, and collections of essays. Visit her website at teresakishkan.com, where she blogs regularly. This new book is uh, published by the uh, University of Alberta Press. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Teresa Kishkan. Ms. Kishkan, good morning. Hello, Joe. Nice to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. A so, pleasure. So I've, I've been reading your stuff over the years, and... Um, um, the thing I realized as I was preparing for a chat last night was, um, and and we've exchanged emails privately over the last couple of years because we, we, we uh, sat on a panel about three years ago for the BC Book Prizes. Um, I realized I hadn't heard your voice before. Now I, I may have heard your voice say, um, watching say uh, online readings and the sort which. Um, I understand you've done did a number of over the last couple of years, but I just talking to you just now, I just realized I hadn't heard your voice before, so this is nice for me. Um, Are you surprised? <laughs> no, you know why I'm not surprised is because it, it, after reading you over the years, uh, and, and I read your blog all the time, so every time you post something on Twitter that you've got a new blog post, I, I click it right away and, and read it. Um, I feel like I've known you for well, a long that, time. That's very nice to hear. And I'm sure a lot of people who've connected with your work um, probably think that. I mean, when, when I read Blue Portugal, um, I, I was learning stuff about you and your family, obviously, but it, but it was a voice that I felt like I, I've known. Well, my my intention was really to just um, create a, a book of conversational essays in which people were invited in, and um, and I was able to sort of uh, engage in a conversation with them that that was my hope and uh you know if it if it works that's wonderful and so people say to you that that reading parts of blue portugal provoke them to do some of the same sort of things i don't know whether it's getting a dna test or um seeking the the, the historical record to, to find out more about one's genealogy um is that nice to hear too it is nice because i think our i think um we're made of stories, you know, we're made of them. I think that we're very complicated um, organisms, and stories are very much a part of our of our DNA, I guess. And uh, so um, I, uh, the unfolding of them is endlessly interesting to me, endlessly interesting. Going in search of them, um, you know, uh, unraveling them, braiding them together differently, weaving them together differently. Um, that's endlessly interesting to me. And that people are interested in reading those and responding to them and 
talking to me about them is uh, a, a gift, really. You uh, described uh, writing just a moment ago as weaving, um, and and you talk about that in the book because you 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 uh, make quilts. I do. And yeah. You find the parallels between, say, writing, putting words together, and putting cloth together, sort of the same thing? Well, I do make quilts, and I think there are lots of analogies to link the practice of writing and the practice of um, textile work. And, you know, y- you kind of accumulate the textiles or the um, or the, the, the fragments of story or the scraps of song or music or whatever, and... Um, I tend to hoard the fabric in a in a basket, and every time I go by it, I see in it different harmonies and textures, and um, so then cut things out, arrange mm-hmm. them, and uh, you know you arrange them one way, and there's a pattern that emerges. You arrange them another way, and there's a different pattern, so that the same. Uh, cloth, the same story, the same series of um, of, of incidences um, arranged differently allow for an entirely different view. So you might see stars in a clear sky or a landscape or a map or eventually a book, you know, um, lots of uh, connections between them. How does Blue Portugal and, and other essays? How does that get put together? I mean, do, do you do you write these pieces separately and then and then piece them together? Well, you know, they begin different ways. Yeah. Um, there's a body of material that I want to explore. Some of it I explore in a fairly straightforward way, um, but I was interested to find out that the word clue. Uh, comes from the Middle English, and its original meaning was a ball of thread, and that you used it to guide yourself out of a maze or a mm. labyrinth. And I think that, in a way, um, I follow a clue. There's a clue that I follow into unknown territory. And uh, um, always the territory is connected to um, my life, and so I guess that would be the thing that connects the essays as a whole. You know, uh, I had a body of, of, of stories, a body of, um, oh, health issues, wow. uh, a body of emerging developments in my, um, in my life as a mother and a, and a grandmother. And uh, so um, I kind of, Explored that, examined that, and at the end, I had material that seemed to me to be a book. It it so. it follows a, a a lovely arc as I was reading it because, um, you know, I find out about you, I find out about uh, questions you have about yourself, and then you you take us to uh, different places throughout the book. Um, the last part of the book talks about a trip um, to Ukraine, mm-hmm. which is awfully timely. Awfully timely. Um, and um, so, yeah, I just I, I enjoyed um, just how it flowed. And, and, you know, they may be very different things, but I think they fit together just, just, just marvelously well. Well, they're a un- unifying theme. Yeah. You know, there's, there's te- there are textiles, there are rivers, there's the aging body and <laughs> what happens to you when you hit a yeah. particular age and things start to happen. And, um, 
and then the looking the looking back and the looking forward sometimes i feel like i'm at that the that thing called a janus gate um a, a gate that that you open into the future and you're also able to look back into the past you know um so uh yeah well, which of the two is it looks clearer clearer to you the, the past or the future i think the past yeah. the past it's just such a rich accumulation of um of detail um there's lots that's unknown in the in the future and i'm very glad to have that ball of thread <laughs> to yeah. guide me forward and back when i need to when i need to return yeah i um um i i think the past even the past that i'm not say i could have been around for looks clearer to me than the future i mean i think the future is, is filled with a lot of angst i think it is for a lot of people oh right now it's uh yeah. it's a very unknown territory isn't it i yeah. mean mm -hmm. um one of my um daughters-in-law is a climate scientist and so uh you know listening to her talk about um atmospheric pollution and so on makes me wonder if we've um if we have a lot of time left on this planet this yeah, amazing yeah. planet that we haven't treated as well as we should have when i um when we get into blue portugal um we we see right away an appreciation of the wider world so you were talking about um the life of the planet just now mm -hmm. um but as we start the book we we get an appreciation of say what's outside your house first um yeah. where you live there in the uh, seashell peninsula um when did you move there we bought our land in 1980 and we started building our house in 1981 when we had a two week old baby we put a tent on a platform and we um put a tarp over it so we could at least sleep in a dry place and we started two poets so i was a poet then and my husband's a poet two poets started building a house having never built anything in their lives so um i feel like i've been rooted here since 1980 which is 42 years so it's so, about 42 yeah. years So you talk in the book about th that experience of building the house and 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 uh, looking at the plans, looking back at the plans. Um I I found it so so um fascinating because the house itself I guess stands in for uh the building of a family because it is, obviously in the last 42 years the family has grown, hasn't it? Mhm. Mm it certainly has. Yeah. Um what does the house mean to you and what was for, for people listening to us, I mean can you sort of take us into what it looks like even? Well, we built a um we built a house that very much reflects uh us. We built a house that has a a large kitchen because we I like to cook and I like to feed people. And um we built a house that grew. Um we had one child when we started building and we I don't know, did we know we'd have more? We didn't <laughs> hadn't really planned our um our family you know in precise terms so we built a house and then we added on and then we added on to that and then we adjusted and now I'm looking for bunk beds for grandchildren and um we built a greenhouse we built a sunroom um it's a shelter it's a kind of um encyclopedia in a way of the life that I've 
had here. It's a, it's an archive. Um, it's it's um, well, it's very precious to yeah. me, and I think to my entire family. It just feels like a warm place. It feels like a great place to read, which is which is what you do, and 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 and, and write too, isn't it? I've never understood the necessity of going away to write. <laughs> you know, I feel like I live in in the best possible retreat. Yeah. yeah so you've I mean, never, I'm looking yeah. out right now at a at a, a a little edge of the woods where um, later in the year the coyotes will bring their young out, and um, regularly I see a bear and her cubs passing by, and you know, um, life is out there in such abundance. You know, I can't imagine needing another place. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had a picture on your blog some months ago. Um, just this pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bear, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you find um, living on the edge of the forest there, if you will? I am coexisting with everything else. Well, um, you know, you're careful. Um in the old indigenous stories, they always um, inform you that paying attention to what's usual and what's unusual will keep you reasonably safe. Mm. And um, so um, <laughs> bear poo is a great case in point because you can tell what they're eating by looking mm. at it. Yeah. So if there are lots of berries in it, maybe stay out of the berry patch. You know, um, if they're uh, <laughs> apple apple pulp and stuff, yeah. you know, stay away from the apple trees for a few days. So, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a privilege, really, to live in the, um, in the presence of um, so much. I mean, we've done so many terrible things to the planet, yeah. but when a herd of elk passes through my, my land, I think, well, at least we haven't ruined that, you know. I, I live in Vancouver, um, um, in, in the city, if you will, and mm -hmm. and I don't know. I mean, a, a lot of people find living close to the outdoors. I mean, it's not it's not an isolated place, obviously, but but um, you, you've never felt, say, unsafe or or, or um, uh, worried because of the weather or, or things like that, right? Oh, not usually. Although I I I think um, I think we're going to have to forge a new relationship with climate yeah, you know yeah. um last june you know it was so hot and uh the things that we're used to doing in june were kind of impossible yeah. and so i i think we're we're going to have to either um change you know change our habits really quickly or forge a new relationship but no, I don't feel unsafe here. I, I feel um, immensely um, connected to everything that's going on around me. And, and that's the thing through, through nature, as, as you write in the book, you write about aging. Um, you, you celebrate it, you, you mourn it in yourself. I, I read the book, as I told you just before we started, um, as I turned 40 back in March. And so I, I think the book hit me in a way that. Um, had I read it earlier or, or read it later, I, I, I doubt it would have affected me as it, as it has. I mean, it gave me a lot to think about. Um, it feels, uh, as I, I read your book, that, that you've come to peace with aging. I mean, did you accept it readily, say? 
Um, it's inevitable, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, and there are lots of wonderful things about it. But um, specifically, when I when I think of the process of aging, I think of the things that you didn't anticipate. I had a health issue a couple of years ago in which um, my well, it, it seemed I might not be long on the planet, mm-hmm. and so I was really interested to explore what that meant. And part of it um, involved traveling along river systems and um, remembering them and celebrating them because what had happened to me was a kind of blockage in one of my veins. And the more I thought about um, my own venous system, the more I realized that it was so like the river systems, you know, which... Mm. um, uh, make adjustments all the time, meander, oxbow, um, you know, flood. And um, in a way, there was great solace in that, uh, you know, that here I was, another organism on Earth, <laughs> yeah. not so different from a river or, a, or you know, any other ecosystem that um, had its rules and its, difficulties so uh, and things come back to haunt you I, I, the um, opening essay of Blue Portugal um, my husband and I were reading Dante and um, we were reading um, the Inferno and as we read this dark dark poem um, I was remembering um, an accident I'd had as a young woman in which I'd fractured my pelvis and um, the series of uh, rehabilitations that had had to be um, undertaken Uh as that happened. And I was reminded of um, a dog who had also um, fractured a pelvis, a deer dog that we'd had. And um, so it was territory that was dark, but, um, you know, uh, the path that I referred to, the dark path, was a quilt that I made to kind of work my, uh, work out my feelings about it and um, try to establish a, a, a means to come to terms with it. So, uh, which came first, the quilting, the reading, um, the thinking about uh you know, mortality. I'm not sure, but the three of them all sort of braided together, and and um, and that that's the initial essay of the of the book. Teresa, what from writing do you do you gain? Do you yield? Say that you wouldn't get had you not written. Oh, understanding, and you know, a, a sense of pattern, a sense of coherence. Um, a sense of, um, of structure. I mean, you have all these amorphous uh, things that you're thinking about or deliberating on, and and then by writing, you, as with quilting or something, you you put them down and you organize them and you look at them and you try to find a, a coherence or a pattern that's um, that's new or unique or or meaningful to you at that point in your life, you know. Um, some of this is material I might have written about in the past, but I've come to it um, uh, differently 
now. I'm 67, so the way I'm approaching material now is not the way I would have approached it as a as a 30-year-old or mm. even a 50-year-old. Yeah, the thing that I get is, um, as, as I read not just Blue Portugal but other things you've written, um, you know, I enjoy the, the idea of reading, and I find it delightful to read you. Um, it also fills me with envy um, because it seems that... Um, writing comes easily to you, does it? Well, mostly it does, but it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's the way I figure things out. Other people, and I swim, that's another thing that I do that helps me to figure things out. And often I'm, I think about writing while I'm swimming, especially the backstroke is <laughs> probably the, the least... Uh, um, exhausting of the stroke. So I swim three times a week in a local pool, and I'll be backstroking up and down the pool, thinking about how to put an essay together, mm. or thinking, um, you know, uh, I thought about the order of the essays in Blue Portugal while I was swimming. So if there's a fluidity or a kind of flow to the book, it's you know thanks to the fact that I swim a kilometer three mornings a week. Um, yeah. But uh, it. it, it it is the thing that I can do, you know. Um, I, I do quilt, but um, my stitching is really awkward and clumsy. But writing is the thing that um, that I can do easily and naturally. I think. Do, do you recommend it for everybody? I mean, the um, the idea of of uh, taking time to um, go through one's thoughts and organize them or work through something, especially pain or, or just, you know, um, angst or family history even. Um, is, is well, that, is that useful, do you think, to most well, people? Well, I think, I think what happens when you do write things down is you do, um, help to shape them. And you do realize, too, when you have enough of these pages that you've written, that your life's accumulated. It hasn't just passed. You know, there's the sense that um, that uh, that you've built this thing. Uh, you know, a, a book or a or a house or a, a textile that you've you've built this thing. And um, yeah, if I had to give advice to writers, I would say the best advice I could possibly give to you is to write. Mm. You know, um, there are all sorts of strategies and and um, and and self-help books and so on. But the the main thing is putting your bum in a chair yeah. every day and and doing it. Yeah. Um, by the way, you mentioned um, uh, where you write. Um, you've obviously never been a writer who goes to a coffee shop, for example, and and sits there with a computer, right? I go to a coffee shop to listen. Ah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's always kind of interesting. No, I, I um, working. I have a I have a, a a room of my own which Virginia Woolf, you know, recommended uh -huh. for women. I have a room of my own, and um, it has deep pink walls and a ceiling that I painted to look like Giotto's um, chapel ceiling in Padua, dark blue with gold stars, yeah. <laughs> and it. I sit under it, and this is this is um, this is my little bolt bolt yeah. hole. Yeah, yeah. I look out on the woods, and a wisteria vine 
hanging down over the railings, and it's uh, it's my place. Yeah. You write um, in in the book about a family gathering uh, some years ago where. I'm trying to remember now. It's it, it, the ashes of both of your parents, I think. Yeah. And you go to yeah. Chesterman Beach, which um, yeah. is in Tofino. Yeah. Um, and you are about to release them into uh, the water. Um, you talk in the. This is the thing that I was thinking about as I was reading the book, and have been the last couple of days when I reread it. Um, you talk about you, you carry the ashes in Ziploc bags and ice cream buckets. Um, <laughs> The thing, I, I read something a couple of weeks ago where someone does the same thing, where they're they're going someplace to to release the ashes into. I can't remember; it was a garden, I think. Um, the thing I kept wondering about was, what do you do with the Ziploc bags and the, these plastic receptacles afterwards? I mean, you, I would think it'd be hard to th- toss in the garbage or recycling. Well, I remember rinsing the little bags out in the yeah. in the ocean just so as much as possible right, would yeah. go there. My mother had asked for her ashes to um to be um released on Chesterman Beach, but she hadn't said anything about my dad mm-hmm. whose ashes she had in her bedroom and we just assumed maybe wrongly but they had been married for 60 years that um they would probably want to be together so that's uh, that's what we did. I can't remember what we did with the buckets afterwards, <laughs> but you know I'm yeah. pretty thrifty, Joe. So they're probably the ones I have in my garden shed for, um, you know, taking soil around. And I think my mother would probably be quite pleased with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I would think, yeah, you you couldn't just toss it in the in the, in the recycling bin. No, um, you couldn't. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd have to you'd have to use it again or find find a, a, another use for them. Um, did you get a chance to go back to Chesterman Beach? I've been back a number of times, yeah, and I think of them always. A little of them I took home and, uh-huh. and planted a, um, a a beech tree up behind the house. My my father's father, the Ukrainian, um, my Ukrainian grandfather, came from. Um, Bukovina in Ukraine, which means a place of beech trees. So, um, in honor of him and my father, I I planted a beech tree, and then we put a little of my parents underneath there. So, I I talked to them. Mm. <laughs> I planted daffodils for them too underneath. I think it's a wonderful way of because um, um, now we, whenever someone brings up this beach or you look at it on a map or you you see it on television if the, the so someone's done you know these one of these travel pieces you you find there's a connection to it and I think much more than say if, if um, a loved one was buried in a cemetery somewhere well my mother I remember going there with my parents when my children were little and my mother just loved it and um so I I can't think of a better place for her spirit yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, this trip to uh, Ukraine, uh, mm-hmm. when was this? It was, you know, it was the last possible time, really. It was the fall of 2019. And then um, by March, we were, um, March of 2020, 2020. Yeah. we were um, locked down and uh, now... Um, you know, Russia's invaded, so um, it was really the last possible time, and I feel really grateful to have been able to go then. 
When you set out to go there, I mean, this was going to be more than a vacation. What were you looking for? Well, I was looking for my grandfather, and I found him in an odd kind of way. I found his village. I was taken to his village, and I found um, I, I found people who um, were related to him. Mm-hmm. We're not quite sure how, um, because they, one of the, um, I call her my cousin, she calls me her sister. Um, She was going to go into the archives in the nearby city of Chernitsi um, after Christmas when she had some time, and then the archives were closed once um, COVID Mm -hmm. uh, arrived in Ukraine. So we're not quite sure um, how we're related, but my grandfather was one of six cousins, and um, many of them stayed in this small village of about 500 people. And um, he, um, yeah, I, I was looking for that. I was looking for um, uh, the, the genesis of um, of the food that I knew as a child, and the and the and the language and the music and so on. So very grateful to have found it. And so when you went back, um, mm-hmm. did it feel? I don't. Home is not the right word, but did, did you feel a connection to the place? Oh, itself? I did. Yeah. I did. I kept recognizing things. I kept recognizing, um, well, the food for yeah. one thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, um, I remember being at an event, a sort of concert, and afterwards, the um, it was held in a, a, a small village, and a school teacher was sort of um, talking to the people who'd come, and he said. This is your country. Come back again. Bring your children. Bring your grandchildren. It wasn't like going somewhere where um, your status as a tourist was the thing that you were most aware of. There, your status as someone who had a blood link to that place was the thing that people told you over and over again, you know, that, that, that you belong here. I remember buying some apples in a market, and um, I I have just a few words of Ukrainian, and the Mm -hmm. woman had just a few words of English, but when I told her that my grandfather was Ukrainian, she put extra apples into my bag, which was, uh, you know, just a a wonderful moment. So you made the trip. um, It was you and, and your husband, John. And, do- and my daughter came too. Yeah, yeah. and so um, I mean, curious to know about your your daughter's experience there. Did did she find um, a connection? I think she did. I think she did. Yeah, she works. Uh, she, she works in a museum, mm-hmm. and so she's um, she's interested in how um, how you know archives are you know part of who we are, and so. In a way, we were in a living archive, a living archive of our of our connection, and um, so I think she did like it very much. She said she'd like to go back, and so maybe one day we'll we'll be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. God willing. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, so when when you hear the news of what's happening there, uh, as, as we all have, I mean, it, it hits home. A lot oh. more probably, doesn't it, than, than the rest of us, if you will. Well, I've just um, 
been in a state of horror, really, since the beginning of the war. Um, our immediate thought was to let my relatives know that they could come here, uh-huh. um, that we would help them. And so uh, we told them that. But my my cousin is a um, a teacher in a little in the little village school, and she feels that her uh, responsibility is to you know to the students. So. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's living in a state of horror, really. Yeah, because that's, it's obviously not the first time that that country's yeah. been under threat. Yeah, that's the thing. We, we, you know, we hear all these stories of people leaving, and, and naturally, you know, we, we're heartened when, when different countries, different families um, take people in. But the stories of people who stay, I think, are, are, are um, they're inspiring. They are inspiring, and you know they live in they live in Western Ukraine, which um, is probably about as safe as a place could be in mm-hmm. Ukraine right now. But they're hearing air raid sirens. Um, you know, they, they, it's you know, the, it's not so far away, really. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it shouldn't be for, uh, too far for for all of us, I think, who, who live elsewhere, because I think. This is something that... that well, uh, we've all come here from somewhere yeah, else, haven't we? Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Um, I could um, talk all afternoon with you, <laughs> and I'm, I'm so glad that we, we got together to t- talk about Blue Portugal, because um, I'm just looking at my note sheet here. There, there are things that I haven't asked you yet that, that um, got me thinking as I was reading the book, and... Um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to continue the conversation. I'd, whenever you want to come on or, or if you've got another book. Are you working on something now, Teresa? I'm working on a novel uh-huh. um, set partly in a little village near me, which I've called East Hope after those great old two- and four-stroke engines that kind of allowed fishermen some independence in the early part of the 20th century. So um, I've called it East Hope. So it's it's about a small village here on the Seychelles Peninsula, and it's also partly set in Lviv in Ukraine. Mm. So um, in Lviv um, four or five years ago, so before the war. Uh, so I'm I'm working on that, and I'm also have a handful of essays um, towards a, another book. Yeah. Did you like blogging? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I write when I when I have something I think I want to work through, and um, I I it, yeah I love it. As a faithful uh, reader, um, I I, I <laughs> oh, like the I I love the chance to just you know find out what you were you know what your garden looks like today or something like that or <laughs> um, whatever you're thinking about and and um, again as I said earlier. Um, this, this feeling of envy comes over me that you're able to write as beautifully as you do, that, that one wishes it for themselves. Well, it just feels like, um, I, I've used the word before, a gift, but the um, ability to sit down, um, and the, 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 the sort of gift of time and, and, um, and a place uh, to write out of, to sit down and to, to um, make a daily or three times weekly or whatever account of that to talk about what I'm reading or um, what we're doing or um, to puzzle through something seems uh, like like just such an extraordinary uh, privilege right now. So I love it. Yeah. 
Uh, before you go, um, you, you linked um, on your blog, this is a few years ago now, a piece that your husband wrote. I'm trying to remember where it was now. I think it was the, uh, the Ormsby Review of um, your husband, John Pass, about the time that he worked with Major Matthews. Oh, yes. That was a good piece, wasn't I, it? I, li- I like that a great deal, yeah. So yeah. Were, were, you, um, were you and John involved at, at the time? Did you get ever no, meet? Oh, no, no, no. He, uh, I think he, he did that. Uh, he, he, he worked for the Major. Um, he was like maybe 20, between, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so probably early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, and we didn't meet until 1979. I see. But it was was a a wonderful summer. I've said to him so many times, you need to write about that, and so he did. Yeah, Matthews is, uh, for for people, the the, uh, city of Vancouver's, I guess, uh, first archivist, if you will, Mm -hmm. Um, and just a fascinating, quirky, Weird guy in so many ways, wasn't he? <laughs> and John, uh, John was hired um, to be his sort of assistant uh-huh. one summer, and um, and was invited to lunch at his house, and um, where made the major stood up and you know sang "God Save the Queen," and you know, um, I think it was on it was on Kitts Point there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have books that the major gave John with. Um, you know, very um, um, spidery inscriptions. He 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 wanted John to be the next archivist, so um, there are, there are books inscribed to him as you know our next archivist and so on. Yeah, and if, and, and and John did do some of that, didn't he, in his career? Uh, he, he taught English, really, but, you know, yeah. um, sometimes these things jump a generation. That's because right. Because my mm-hmm. oldest son is, is an archivist with Library and Archives Canada. And um, when he got that job, he, he's worked in museums. He was trained as a historian. When he got that job, he found his, um, I think it was maybe grade six yearbook, in which he said that his career... His dream of a career was to be an archivist. So um, there he is, living the dream in Ottawa. That's it's great when you hear somebody's dream come true. <laughs> it really is, um, especially such a quirky one. <laughs> indeed, indeed, yeah. <laughs> Teresa, I, I so appreciate the time. And, and oh, it was my pleasure, Joe. I, I can't, can't tell you much. I enjoyed Blue Portugal and, and all the other writing that you do. Um, I, I um, am, am just sad that, that we hadn't connected sooner. I, I, I enjoyed our time um, on, on the, the BC Book Prize panel. Um, it was you, me, and... Um, Ivan Coyote. That's right. And, and I've yeah. talked to Ivan over the last couple of years uh, with books that, that um, they published. And mm-hmm. uh, we've talked a couple of times about the experience that we had together. And so... Um, we I, were a good group, I think. I, I remember so. talking yeah. about our uh, you know, dilemmas we were having and coming up with our lists and so on, and it was, I, yeah, it was a good experience. Yeah, I, I, I really, it was the, the um, um, it was a great honor for me because it, and not just to, to, to have to um, award the prize, but, but to, to, to sit with both you and Ivan on this panel. Um, uh, I, I couldn't tell you just how much I, I, I was, I felt pleased and, 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 and honored to do it, so. Um, well, it was also fun, <laughs> and, I, and I think I made a friend uh, 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 with uh, you and, and and Ivan. I think. Well, that's that's the bonus. 
Indeed, indeed. Um, congratulations on Blue Portugal and, and well, everything thank else. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for, um, for talking to me about it. The website for more is at TeresaKishkan.com. The book is called Blue Portugal and Other Essays. It's uh, published by the University of Alberta Press. Its author, Teresa Kishkan, joined me from her home on the uh, Sechelt Peninsula in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.